You're listening to Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith, a podcast by the Haverford Trust Company. On Speaking of Quality, Hank chats with authors, influencers, and wealth management experts to bring a sense of clarity and calm to the complexity and stress of personal finance. And now, here's your host, Hank Smith. Hello, and welcome to the final episode of our first season of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. I'm your host, Hank Smith. Joining me today is Maxine Cuff, who is the voice of our introduction and conclusions of each of these podcast episodes. A fun fact about Maxine, she's a senior research analyst whom we hired eight years ago, and she spent 10 years prior to coming to Haverford in the UK and specifically in Edinburgh. I'm threatening to send her back to Edinburgh to get that Scottish accent, but maybe you noticed uh, she still has some of that uh, with her. We had six podcasts that included Annie Duke, the first female World Series of Poker champion, Jay Wright, the famous Villanova basketball coach and Hall of Famer, Bob Pisani, a floor reporter for CNBC, Rebecca Moffat, the president of Vanguard Charitable, and Eric Pryor and Jane Alsop, the CEO and head of development for the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, and our colleague, Eileen Chambers. We covered many subjects. Uh, what, what stood out to you? Why don't we start with uh, Annie Duke, since that was my first podcast. And uh, I've got to tell you, my first podcast ever. And uh, to say I was a bit nervous, even though I've had plenty of years of being on TV, being on the radio, doing print interviews, uh, the novelty of doing a podcast was very anxiety producing, but uh, she was absolutely wonderful and it gave me a tremendous amount of confidence leading into the uh, next five podcasts. Annie was the perfect person to kick off your your podcast series. She's so easy to interview because she's got such an interesting backstory and of course so many lessons that we can apply in life and in investing. Um, in the episode, you talked to Annie about her new book, Quit, uh, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. It's such an interesting concept because we tend to think of people who quit as losers. Uh, and the people that persevere, they're the ones with the grit. They're the heroes of the story. Um, and she starts off her book with this example of that tragic um, Everest expedition where a number of people died, including some really experienced climbers. I was actually in Nepal around the time of this incident, so I've followed the story for, for a long time, um, but I've never thought about it the way Annie frames it. The, the actual heroes of that story are the climbers that quit because they survived. They stuck to their plan um, that they would turn around at a certain time if they weren't going to make the summit. That's what Annie calls kill criteria. And having that plan in advance, um, when to call it quits, is so that you are not making these stressful decisions in the moment. It's kind of like having a stop loss um, when you are looking to get out of a stock, as an example. And, you know, we use this in our own investing. Um, we have our um, investment thesis written down. We know when it's breached. We're going to think about um, red flags on a stock. Um, and when you set these systems up in advance um, and you stick to them, because really trying to make these decisions in that moment, uh, when you're in the middle of a blizzard on a mountain, it really becomes impossible because of our emotions that make it so difficult to make smart decisions. And And Annie really goes into this in her book. I would really uh, recommend for our listeners uh, to, to, um, to read Quit. But it was also interesting because she admitted at the outset of the podcast that uh, she probably 
should have retired much earlier than she did. So she quit too late uh, because she was past the prime of her career and wasn't putting the effort in time that was required that the younger uh, poker players uh, were able to do due to online uh, poker. So they, they could get hundreds more reps in um, at a time where she grew up playing on a table, which only allowed for a certain amount of repetitions, a certain amount of hands of poker. Um, and I, I found that a uh, interesting contrast uh, to her book, Quit. Yeah. So, you know, as an investment analyst, we have to be really um, aware of all of these biases that we have uh, and how they impact us from making smart decisions. And one of the things that she recommends to do um, to try to overcome some of these is to use a coach or a mentor or a financial advisor as a great example, someone that can see the situation more clearly than you can. And like Eileen says in episode six, her job is to listen to our clients. So um, having someone that you can just bounce these ideas off, especially when you're worried and you're um, stressed is, is really important. And that was a um, uh, an important point that Bob Pisani made in regards to his discussion on how he invests and and specifically what he invests in. And I thought it was uh, fascinating, his observation, that it is so rare that anyone asks um, a investment professional, what do you invest in? He never gets that question. And he wanted to include that in, in his book. And he emphasized that having a trusted advisor is very, very important to help you reach uh, your your goals. Yeah. The, the other thing that Bob talked about is, you know, he recommends to young people when they're saving um, from an early age to put the money into a 401k. He says to put it into the S&P 500 and leave it there. Um, he really, he's a big believer in index investing. Do you think that that still holds today, um, given that we have this really high concentration in the index, these mag magnificent seven stocks, um, and they're so highly valued? And how does this align with the Haverford um, view of picking quality stocks? Indexing is certainly a viable approach for ever, everyone. But I think today, and you bring up a very good point, today investing in this broad S&P 500 index is a lot riskier than it was, say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because of the concentration of a handful of names. Two stocks, Apple and Microsoft, make up 15% of a 500 stock portfolio, the S&P 500. So if you are inclined uh, to index, um, you probably should be looking at the equal weighted uh, S&P 500 index as opposed to the traditional market cap uh, weighted S&P 500 index. Having said that, I think Bob is correct. It is very, very important to get invested and stay invested because Time in the market is one of the most important ingredients to success. And um, our feeling is uh, our investment philosophy helps improve the odds of staying invested for long periods of time because we own such high quality companies and companies that are doing well and are financially strong and that you recognize and you have a degree of, of comfort owning these kinds of companies in the downturns, which inevitably you get uh, periodically. 
We talked to Rebecca Moffat, the president of Vanguard Charitable, about donor-advised funds, which many of our listeners might not be familiar with. Um, These are vehicles that allow a very flexible and tax-efficient approach to charitable giving without a huge administrative burden. Um, And these accounts can really have a meaningful and lasting impact. I, I know this episode will be of interest to many of our clients that are looking to support nonprofits um, with their philanthropy and, and really make a difference. Yeah, I, I didn't realize just uh, how big the donor advised uh, funds that industry uh, is. Vanguard Charitable, a national organization, uh, clearly one of the biggest, but not the biggest. Fidelity is, is, is a bigger one. And then you have community foundations as well. And, you know, I think as it came through in, in that podcast, our country is an incredibly philanthropic country. And it isn't just the big Ford Foundation, Rockefellers, uh, now Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Uh, the vast majority of the money is from the middle class and giving to uh, churches and community foundations and, and, and hospitals and what have you. Uh, so it is uh, something that's very uh, prevalent uh, throughout our entire uh, uh, society. And it's quite unique because there are no other countries uh, that give the way uh, uh, the U.S. gives. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think the data really bears that out, that the giving per capita is is the highest in the United States compared to other countries. One of the other things that came out of that podcast um, was this issue of restricted versus unrestricted giving. Uh, and Rebecca said that the trend is really moving back towards unrestricted. Now, I know that many donors like to designate their philanthropy to specific purpose or to a certain program, but it's really important to understand that this reduces the organization's flexibility, and especially when they have to react um, in, in a crisis. And as an example, um, you know, from, from my own experience, um, we saw during COVID how important flexibility was. I sit on the board for the Fund for Women and Girls in Chester County. Uh, and during COVID, we were under pressure from all sides. Our fundraising events had to be canceled because of social distancing and our revenue was hurt. But the demand for services and for grants really spiked because people were losing their jobs. Um, schools, daycares were closed. So many charities are really overwhelmed um, during that period. So having reserves that don't have these Um, specific um, restrictions on them really gives organizations that flexibility, um, especially in a crisis when it's most needed. Yeah, I was surprised at that uh, shift toward uh, more unrestricted giving and and sitting on uh, a number of nonprofit boards. I can attest to uh, the desirability to getting unrestricted gifts, even though no one's going to turn down a restricted gift as long as there are not too many uh, strings uh, attached to it. It's it's just fascinating how this country continues to give more and more uh, each year. And even with inflation, people are uh, factoring that in in their added giving. Then we had uh, Eileen Chambers in episode six. And I have to say a number of people have told me that it was their their favorite episode. She's a, a beloved member of staff here at, at Haverford. Uh, she's another person along with Hank that's been at the firm for 30 30- some years, um, 33. And uh, I loved hearing from Eileen that the things that she really liked about Haverford on day one are the things that are still in place today. Um, the fact that it's just a company that has real ethics and caring and you know the company really treats its employees well. She has worked at every level of this firm. Um, you know, she started right out of college and, and uh, got to Haverford and uh, 
and I, when she became a portfolio manager, she came into my office and said, I am so nervous. What do I do now? I, I said, what are you nervous about? And she said, well, I, I, I don't know enough. And I said, Eileen, here's what you know that all of the more experienced portfolio managers don't know. You know the inner workings of every square inch of this office. You know every single department. You know how to get things done, go to the right people better than anyone else. And, and so there's your strength. And if you can't answer a question, don't worry about it. That's what you have the research team to help you. Um, and so um, I think that, um, I don't know if it reduced her stress, but I think it, it, was, it was good advice. And, and we are such a uh, collaborative organization. Um, you know, we have different departments, but we all work together. There, there are no silos. And uh, that is demonstrated uh, on a daily basis. One of the questions that you asked Eileen about was, you know, how she deals with difficult markets. Um, and, you know, and she answered, that's why it's just so important to listen to your clients and understand what their worries are. But it all comes back to really how Habiford manages money. We're investing based on long-term fundamentals. Um, you know, quality investing has been with us through all types of market environments, the ups and downs, whether it was dot-com era or COVID. Um, but Eileen made a really important point that it's really in a down market when you understand your risk tolerance. Um, and COVID was a time actually that to you know reevaluate your risk preferences and your asset allocation because if you couldn't sleep at night and you couldn't stomach the volatility of the markets, then that's maybe a sign that your current asset allocation was not right and really needed to be reviewed. Um, the key for us is really having that that appropriate asset allocation keeps you invested in the market. Yeah, you know, the um, we have an expression at Haverford that um, our uh, former president, Benny Whitlisbach, used to uh, drill uh, consistently, and that is uh, worry about the things you're in control of. <clears throat> you're not in control of the stock market. You're not in control of interest rates. You're not in control of inflation, but you are in control of your attitude. You are in control of communicating with your clients. And Eileen does a, such a wonderful job of communicating and, and proactively and, and returning calls immediately and having lengthy conversations where, as she put it, she's doing most of the listening. And um, frankly, uh, clients and high net worth clients particularly, um, they like to be heard. And she does a wonderful job of, of listening and then uh, implementing and also providing uh, guidance and, and advice as well. So um, it, it's, a, it's a great message uh, for, for anyone in really any industry. You also talked about the importance of separating your politics from investing. And I know that's one of your, your favorite sayings, Hank. It's becoming increasingly more difficult uh, to do. But it's, it's one of our rules of investing is don't uh, let politics get in the way of investing. And we saw this uh, back um, when Barack Obama was first uh, elected. A lot of people thought, oh, my goodness, you know, the country's going to go downhill. We saw it eight years later when Donald Trump was uh, elected and uh, a lot of prominent uh, <clears throat> investors sold everything uh, and it just didn't work out. And so uh, you really need to uh, uh, 
uh, separate uh, uh, politics. Then finally, in episode seven, you spoke with Jay Wright, the the former Villanova basketball coach, and it sounds like you really enjoyed speaking to him. What were your your key takeaways there? Well, first of all, he is genuinely a nice, down to earth uh, person, and um, the uh, and, and you know being a basketball fan, the chance to uh, podcast with a Hall of Famer. Uh, a two-time national champion uh, was just uh, really a highlight for me. But, you know, we, we emphasize culture. And while he was head coach at Villanova, uh, culture was very, very important. And he said, yes, it's a given that we need to recruit a certain level of talent. And anything below that, we're not going to look at. But once we've identified that level of talent, then we have to uh, recruit the, the players that are going to fit into the culture that we've established. And it's so similar here at Haverford. Uh, we, we need experts. We need uh, very bright people. Uh, but once we've identified those, then we have to put culture as the next most important criteria uh, because we work together so well and we have a certain ethos, a certain DNA. And uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, we have had such a high uh, level of employee retention at, at Haverford, averaging around 94%, which is really quite uh, remarkable. One more interesting uh, discussion we had with Jay is how when uh, he joined, I believe it was 2001, the endowment at uh, Villanova University was about $150 million. And when he retired some 20 years later, uh, the endowment had grown to over $1.2 billion. And his success with the basketball program played a large role in that. And, and he said, Yes, he was very, very proud of that, but it also was the effort of the president, Peter Donahoe, that, um, that brought all these different departments together, uh, whether it was uh, academics and the professors or administration, athletics, and, and instead of being separate fiefdoms, um, bring them together, and, and if we work together, uh, we can success will follow, and it, and it certainly has with Villanova. Their academics, uh, they're attracting much higher quality students. Their business program, their nursing program are really top top level, and um, and that happens through uh, teamwork and collaboration. And and again, I, I think it's very similar to Haverford uh, in that we work together. Um, uh, as as a as a team and not uh, a bunch of individuals. Well, I did find out why Jay Wright switched from uh, wearing the best looking uh, suits and ties uh, to athleisure wear. Uh, actually, uh, that was a vote of uh, the conference coaches, and one of the coaches said, uh, "I'll tell you what. What's Jay Wright say?" 
And at the time, it was the beginning of the pand- pandemic, and there weren't any uh, players in the in the stands. And he, and he said, "I vote for athleisure wear," <laughs> and it shocked all the coaches uh, because the tradition was wearing suits or, or coat and ties. And and he said, "Hank, it was a ridiculous tradition." I'm running up and down the sideline, sweating, and then when we call timeout, I have all these basketball players hovered over me, dripping sweat on me, and and so uh, it, it, it certainly made sense, uh, and probably saved him thousands and thousands of dollars in his dry cleaning bill. I thought it was fun listening to Bob Pisani talk about how proud he was of his Room Raider score. Do you remember during COVID, uh, people that were working from home? Um, you could see, you know, what their what their home looked like, and somebody started raiding people, and he got a ten out of ten because he has all of those rock posters behind him. And it turns out he's a he's a collector. Right. I, I told him. Purchase. I told him my first reaction when I saw him um, broadcasting from from that room is, "Wow, I didn't know Bob Pisani was a stoner." <laughs> and he, he said, "Well, think about our audience, Hank. You know, we're." A lot of it's the baby boom generation, and a lot of them are former 60s stoners. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, we want to thank all of the listeners uh, for your feedback this season. We have a five out of five rating for the podcast. We're thrilled with that. So thank you so much. Uh, And for anyone who hasn't left us a rating or review, um, we, we would love to see that. And um, just to tease for our next season that will be coming up this fall, uh, we have Chuck Jaffe, host of Money Life, a veteran financial journalist and nationally syndicated financial columnist. Ian Baker Finch, former PGA player, former Open champion, and current um, current golf analyst for CBS. Dan Clifton, um, head of uh, Washington, D.C. policy analysis for Strategus Partners. Ed Bainey. Haverford's own senior economic advisor and former head of the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank, and Sam Hankin, who has his own podcast called The Avid Reader Show. Uh, So we look forward to these interviews. And uh, again, please, any feedback is always welcome. Thank you and stay bullish. Thanks for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith. To hear future episodes of Speaking of Quality, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Haverford Trust Company, please visit www.haverfordquality.com. This podcast is provided as general commentary and market overview and should not be relied upon as research, a forecast, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt an investment strategy. Any opinions expressed are as of the date this podcast was recorded and may change at any time. And are the opinions of that commentator not Haverford's? Any opinion or information provided are believed by Haverford to be reliable at the time of this podcast's recording, but are not necessarily all-inclusive or guaranteed for accuracy. Before making any financial decisions, please consult with an investment professional.